We are live. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host. I'm here with my uh, my co-host, my partner in all things law enforcement, the very handsome Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill? A lot of stuff going on, man. We got so much, so many things to talk about. I mean, you know, we could talk forever about this police stuff, but we we got a live guest tonight. Uh, uh, we're very excited to have him. Um, he's a NYPD lieutenant. He's also an attorney. He works in the legal bureau. He's also the president of Brotherhood of the Fallen. We welcome tonight Lieutenant Robert Corbett. What's up? How are you, buddy? Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Love the show myself, so consider it an honor. How did, Thanks, I, Rob. <laughs> did I do okay with your last name? How do you say it? Is it Corbet? That's it. No, that's, you know, I get that now and then, but Corbett's fine. Corbett, yeah, right. And so, then Rob, go ahead, go ahead, Bob. Are you still on the job? Yes. Okay, that's good to know. How much time you got on? I'm in uh, my 24th. It'll be 25 next April. All right, I got to tell Bill. Hey, Bill, take it easy on him, all right? <laughs> <laughs> you want to you make it to 25, right? Yes, please. Yeah, big difference in your pension, man. You get yeah, you get that extra. Do you do you still get the extra thousand dollars to the sixtieth? The extra thousand dollars a month. Extra the sixtieth, and I I think twenty five is when your longevity goes over. Yeah, that's right. See, oh, Mark, did, Mark didn't pay attention to any of that stuff. He was no, twenty. He was twenty and out. You know. No, no, no. Well, I was going to be a big star. <laughs> I was. Yeah. I was. I wasn't leaving to do nothing. Sit at home. I was going to be a, a, this famous comedian. I was going to have a, a great podcast, and I was going to be on TV every once in a while, and I'm doing it, so there you go. Um, <laughs> so what, what year did you come on? 97, April 97, I started. All right. Um, I was in a cadet program before that for a short time, uh, but April 97. Remember they always used to say that? These are going to be your bosses. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I look at most of those cadets and go, no, they're not. <laughs> I drove to the academy with um, one of the guys I drove to the academy with. He was a cadet. He didn't spend much time on the job either. Like He was on the job for, I don't know, six, eight months, and then he went right to Suffolk. So there you go. <laughs> Bill, I guess he did better than becoming a boss. He just went for the – he became a captain. <laughs> he went right to the big dollars, the big money. Yep. <laughs> So, Rob, you grew up in Manhattan, right? You want to tell us a little bit about your upbringing? Yeah, I grew up in Manhattan. I was a third-generation Manhattan kid. I lived in Manhattan for my first 33 years. Then I went to Long Island City for like seven or eight years. Now I'm out in Suffolk County for the last seven or so years. Wow. So you must love traffic, right? Love traffic. <laughs> that Long <laughs> Island traffic is like I, – I went to meet my friends a couple of weeks ago to, uh, for dinner in Merrick. And I left at 2.30. I said, I'll kill you. Know, dinner was 7 o'clock. I said, I'll kill a few hours at Jones Beach. <laughs> yeah. Took me two and a half hours to drive to Jones Beach, from yep. which should take like an hour and 10 minutes. There's hey, always man. some kind of accident. There's some kind of no, emergency. It's unbelievable. You hey, know? listen, yeah. I'll tell you something right now, though. God bless traffic because it works for us. We have a podcast. That's <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's when I listen to my podcast. Sometimes yeah, I actually look forward to it. If I'm driving to a gig. And I know I'm going to be in the car for a while. I look for, I, like, I start picking out which ones I'm going to listen to, you know. So uh, that's what we need. We need a lot of traffic. <laughs> <laughs> you get all the Long Island cops, you'll be good to go. <laughs> that's true. And we, had, we just had uh, the police commissioner, Patrick Ryder, on. Yeah, great I saw. guest, great guy, former NYPD. So right. hopefully we'll pick up some Nassau County guys uh, being becoming police off the cuff fans, you know. I'm sure you will. It's going to be great. So, Rob, one thing we we have this iconic 
iconic photo that we have to ask you about. And all the mothers out there that have sons that are cops, they got to cry every time they see this photo. Mm. And uh, you want to tell us about that? Sure. Um, it was May 29th, 2020. It was sort of the first major night of last summer's riots. Um, it was in Brooklyn, right near the 88. Um, I had been at the Barclays Center um, for the start of the night for the protest there. And then it was breaking up and moving all over Brooklyn. And we heard them calling um, 13s from the 88. They were trying to take the 88 station house. So it took us a minute or two to get there with traffic. Cars weren't moving. We, we um, parked our car and we're going to run the rest of the way in. Um, but we saw a marked car moving. We jumped in. We got there. And the cops had pushed the crowd back. Um, I forget what street, decal maybe and something. And um, we had kind of stopped at an intersection where the cops were all lined up on one side of the street and the protesters slash riders were um, lined up on the other side of the street. And they started, they were chanting, but then they started throwing like water bottles and, you know, the cops were swatting them out of the air and stuff like that. Then they threw a can of paint. Then they started throwing glass bottles. And when they started throwing glass bottles, um, uh, the, the, the cops started to move in to uh, make arrests and things like that. And the second we stepped off to move in and take arrests, the, the other side of the line kind of unleashed with whatever they had. And I just got hit right in the face with a brick that came from across the street. I wow. saw it at the last. I saw it at the last minute. I couldn't do anything. It was moving really fast, and it was it was kind of hurtling. It wasn't like a neat spiral or anything. It was kind of hurtling, you know, um, upside down at me. So it caught me in the face. I actually continued running forward for like a half a block. I mean, I knew I was hurt. I knew I was bleeding, but you know, adrenaline and everything else, and and trying to get the job done, and. I would say I got maybe more like a quarter of a block and I, I kind of started feeling for a tooth and it was dangly, you know, and, and blood was all over my shirt and I kind of realized that this wasn't going to stop on its own and, and I couldn't really keep going. So I turned around and walked back to the 88. Um, they had an ambulance there already anyway and stuff. And I ended up in the hospital. I ended up with like nine stitches. Wow. And um, I'm actually still going to the dentist next Monday. I'm finally supposed to have the implant put in. I've got some temporary stuff up here now. So a year later, it's still, you know, in the works. Hey, I know I've had implants. I know how much they cost. You're talking like six, $7,000 a tooth. And, you know, the LBA uh, insurance sure as hell isn't paying that. <laughs> well, well, thankfully it's line of duty. So the city's covering it. And, oh, you know, you, you know, in what might be, um, you know, the brighter side of things, there, there's still good people out there, a dentist who I won't name, um, with a very successful dental practice in Manhattan, kind of came forward through a, through a friend and said, hey, I'll, I'll take care of that. You know what I mean? And like, because they saw it in the newspaper. So I'm going to like a top notch guy and um, taking whatever the department's giving them for line of duty injuries and stuff like that. So, you know, it's much appreciated. That's great, man. That's smart, That's smart that you didn't mention their uh, name. Let me ask you a yeah. question. Um, you mentioned the word adrenaline. I worked in the task force. Uh, we, we were basically just uh, cops waiting for something to happen. We used to move crowds around. Bill put up those photos. You know, a lot of times it gets like that, you know, and your adrenaline is pumping. I remember that. Um, so you're out there, your adrenaline is pumping. But also the uh, the rioters, 
you know, their adrenaline is pumping. And I think that's what's intoxicating for them. And that's why they keep showing up because they, they get close to danger. Sometimes uh, they get involved in it, like the throwing of the bricks or the throwing of the water bottles. You know, you're kind of in a crowd. Nobody could tell who's who's doing what. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling like that. That's uh, what, what is, is the catapult for people. They go for the first time and they realize, wow, look, I'm part of something. It doesn't even matter what it is. It's it's just uh, nobody. Most people don't get that adrenaline. You know, they don't get that high. You know. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Yeah, and they just keep showing up for you know. Right now, they're they're protesting. Um, what's going on in Israel and in the Palestine over there? And meanwhile, we're in America. And it's yeah. like crazy over here. The city has always been. Um a protest heavy place. It's New York City, right? It's the crossroads of the world. And we've it's, always it's the Mecca, yeah. the Mecca yeah. for protesters. <laughs> yeah. And we you know? and we've always we've always um in my opinion, you know, policed them um with their first amendment rights in mind. We've always been fair in my opinion. Um protests have been here for decades. Um the difference now is very obvious though. You know, we're the target now. And, and even in pol anti-police protests in the past, you know, we might get cursed at and yelled at and screamed at and, and, and nasty things like that. But last summer was really the first time in a long time where we were the actual target. You know, that first night, most of us didn't have our helmets handy, you know, and things like that because it really never happened before. I mean, I, I have almost 25 now and from the RNC to, you know, Occupy Wall Street and all these other things, We've all been to protests, but it's never been this violent toward us. You know, Rob, I, mean, I just wanted to mention something. You guys were also told uh, by the mayor that he wanted a soft touch. Therefore, all the training and all the techniques and all the police, the policing that we know how to do basically was put on the back burner. Because you notice even for me, an outsider, retired sergeant, there was no mounted there ever. They didn't use aviation. I know the department has drones. I didn't see any drones because they really could have used drones because the protests are split up into different areas to cause havoc in different places. That's also a reason for aviation. So when you talk about a soft touch, not only was it a soft touch, but he was not using the resources that the NYPD has become and as known as the number one police department in the whole world because of the way we respond to things like this. Yeah, I don't, um, you know, obviously being careful about what we discuss and, you know, I'm still active and all that, but I, the choppers were up um, uh, several times or, or throughout a lot of it. I don't know how many were up at any given time, but, but they were up and, and um, the drones, I'm not sure when we use them or not. We do have them. Um, uh, but, but to be fair, yeah, I, I never saw mounted. I don't know what I, I, I think we just needed more cops early, um, early in that. You know, I, I think the execs at the time probably best they could with the hand they were given. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I wasn't part of the decision making process, but um, I think it was a tough situation um, given the, the political climate. And I think um, we just needed more cops. We were out at almost every turn. We were outnumbered. And in, in my experience, just my own personal view and experience, anytime we're outnumbered, those who are protesting against us have a lot more courage yes crowd mentality that's for sure it, it is a question though like so you're an attorney right and you're working mm -hmm. in the legal bureau 
um, why the hell are you outside? <laughs> like, what? So, why are you outside? It's just that the one time you go out a year, you just pick. They pick a bad. You you have bad luck. Is that what it no. is? I would well, imagine, I certainly have bad luck. But besides that, I, I would imagine that if I was, I made it to, uh, to you know, to the legal bureau, that I'm going to see very little street. I'm going to be in my books and working on my little cases. And now this kind of stuff pops off. So. Let's say you get the daytime detail because nothing's going to happen. That's what I imagine. But, like, I don't, I don't imagine, like, them putting me in harm's way. Like, wait a minute. I got a case I'm working on right now. I got I to get back to the office. What does Bill say? Can we do a 1013 admin central? <laughs> <laughs> so the, so the, the department um, has a, a strong interest in making sure we police protests the right way. And sort of balance, you know, the needs of, of the citizens of the city and, you know, the protesters' First Amendment rights and things like that. So at nearly every protest in the city, the legal bureau sends attorneys. That's when we go out. So um, our criminal section does an amazing job. They send out attorneys to nearly every protest. I don't normally work in our criminal section. I'm in a different part of legal. But they need help at major events like this. So that's when we go out. Um, we're there to give legal advice to the commanders on the scene. You ever, um, uh, have you ever been at a protest and you're watching it, and, you know, and then you go like this, ooh, that's not going to be good. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, ah guys. Plenty, plenty of times lately. Yeah. Stop, stop, guys, guys, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, you know, last summer, that, that incident with the brick was the first night. So then I missed like the next five weeks. Um, of, of all the real rioting and mayhem. So I got taken out of the play on the first night. But um, but that's what we're out there for. So we get in the mix. You know, you know I, I wanted to ask also, I noticed by watching the protest, you know, people denied, there's some people who deny the fact that Antifa exists. That they, I mean, even the president of the United States, United States said, oh, they're just an idea. But ideas don't leave pallets of bricks. Ideas don't meet in the morning and get on buses together. Uh, ideas don't have a uh, organized response to what were riots. So I, I, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but why wasn't there a larger investigative component to this that found out who the leaders are and, and let's cut the heads off the leaders right away? I don't know why there isn't a bigger investigation. And obviously, as you know, there's a million different investigating bodies that could be interested, right? From the from us to the feds to, you know, whoever. But I, I think, A, you need the political will to go after them, to look for that. Um, and, and I think maybe one of the main differences now is that the Antifa groups and similar groups, they, they have learned, you know, from the past um, things like, uh, you know, RICO cases and things like that. They have learned not to publish who's in charge. And in fact, they say no one's in charge. Um, and they keep things anonymous and they do things like that. So we can't come after them. So it's, I'm not saying it's impossible at all, you know, but it would probably be difficult. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was sort of amazed by that because I, you know, when I heard that there were pallets of bricks delivered, I was like, how come they didn't see the truck that dropped them off? How come they didn't follow up the paper trail to that? You know, yeah. Like I no didn't one... see any. I didn't see any pallets or anything like that. 
I, I heard it the same as everyone else did. I don't know what of it was true and what wasn't, mm-hmm. um, what we know, you, you know, um, but what we are seeing very often is these folks showing up to protests with backpacks that have bolt cutters, rocks, you know, brick fragments, spray paint, paint, and stuff like that, you know, um, it's becoming like a regular tactic. And why aren't we removing that from them right at the onset of the demonstration? Well, it's the same as anything else. Um, let's make a scenario. We have 20 people on the corner, you know, gathering to protest. We can't just stop and frisk them because they might have, right? It's the same same rules apply, you know, to any other criminal scenario. So we can't just start going through their backpacks to see what what they have. You know, if if we had, you know, good information about specific people from credible sources, or if we had undercovers involved, maybe we could. But most of our tools um, that we can use have been taken away from us, right? One of the main laws we used to use to prevent violent black block tactics. Are you, are you guys familiar with black block um, protesting tactics? Have you heard that term before? I've heard it. I'm not sure exactly what it is. It's kind of a tactic in protesting where everyone wears all black. They all look the same, including, say, black balaclavas, black backpacks, so that if they throw things at the police, fight with the police, break windows, even if it's on video, they all look alike. And you can't, you know, pick them out of in a lineup or a photo array or anything else. And um, we used to, at least if we wanted to, as a tool, be able to use the loitering, which you probably don't remember, but... Um, it said that if basically you had three or more persons in public that were disguised other than on Halloween or at an event with a permit, you know, or whatever, you could, you could arrest them for the violation of loitering. So when we would have these folks wearing masks so they, they could, you know, protect their identity at a, at a protest or a riot, we could move in quickly if we wanted to, if we had an Intel that said, this is going to be violent and these people are going to look to hurt cops. We could have used that to go in early and, and quell the, you know, the potential violence, but they, you know, took that law away from us. So we're, we're slowly losing every tool we have. Mm. Yeah, it's tough, man. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's funny because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about uh, the psychological test to get on the job. And if uh, one of the questions should be, if you, if you want to get on this job, you should just fail the test, <laughs> psychological <laughs> and I did a show Saturday night. I don't know if I mentioned this already, but uh, Liam, there's, a, there's a, a listener, Liam. He was at the show in um, Headline Governor's Comedy Club, and he's coming on the job in a couple of months. So that was that's pretty interesting that there's still people coming on the job, man. God bless these guys, man. And I told him, I said, I'm an optimist, man. I think this thing is going to be a, a year from now is going to be a whole lot better. I think we're going into a situation right now. I'm an optimist. Like I said, uh, you know, we're going to, everybody who's running for mayor is going to have to run on, uh, get tough on crime. And they're going to have to prove it because this summer is going to suck. This summer is going to be horrible. Uh, It's already flaring up right now with the shootings. Well, you know, you look at there's uh, nine people there that are running for the Democratic nomination. And only two of them uh gave a shit about crime in there in the debate the rest of them are defunders you know you know but that uh, like i said you know just that that attitude is going to change because if you want to win if you're going to want to win the mayoral ship of new york city you're going to have to change your attitude 
Wang figured it out already. Eric Adams figured it out already. And uh, already on the Republican side, we already know we got um, Curtis Sliwa and Pepitone, uh, you know, retired NYPD. Um, he, he, he's been on the show before, too. So uh, who else is running as a Republican? I, uh, I'm trying to think. But uh, there's one more. There's a big name. Oh, the, uh, the Dominican guy, Mateo. He wants but, to arm. Who does he want to arm? Fernando Mateo, yeah. I think he wants to. Oh, you know, his he put on his platform right now that he wants to um, make it easier for civilians to get carrier's license permits. You know, Mark, that's that's never going to happen. I know retired, it's not retired cops have a hard time getting their damn gun permit now, which is a well, that disgrace. could be that that could be coming um, with with no with no help from say say the city or whatever. But the Supreme Court is taking up a case now um, that that does revolve around New York and its restrictive uh, carry license. So um, I think it's in the fall. The Supreme Court's going to hear a case. I think it's called New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Corlett or something like that. Um, and the, the Supreme Court is supposed to answer the question, does New York's permitting scheme violate the Second Amendment? And by permitting scheme, they mean for carry permits. Um, and, and I did read um, some of the briefs that were submitted in the case. It was very interesting. And, and basically... Um, if you're interested, I, I could find it and send it to you. But one of the briefs really does a great job of breaking down um, the th sort of three categories, right, uh, of the various states in, in the U.S. The first category is shall issue states, they call it. So in those states, if you apply for a carry permit, as long as you pass the background check, they shall issue you the carry permit. You know, you'll get you don't have to show a reason. And then then you have the category where we're calling them constitutional carry states now where you don't even need a carry permit. You can buy a gun and you can carry it provided you're a certain age. Um, and then you have states like New York, which they sometimes refer to as May issue or, um, you know, you require cause. Show us why you want to carry. So this case should decide whether the show us cause uh, requirement is uh, constitutional or not. And New York might not have a choice after that. We'll have to see what happens. Well, that's good, man. That's incredible information. I'm. Ho I hope that um, obviously that we become a state that uh, you know loosens up these uh, gun restrictions. You know, look at what what I mentioned about uh, Fernando Mateo running on, and that's one of his uh, the new things he added to his platform: make it easier for law-abiding citizens to be able to carry their weapons. Six seven two E Galaxy, thank you so much for the twenty dollars super chat. That's uh, Liam's dad, and uh, Mark shouted out to Liam. We should shout out to everyone if they're going to throw us twenty bucks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much. That's very much appreciated. You know, New York. When you think about the what the criteria are to get a um, carry permit, it's how much money you deposit in a bank. That's so ridiculous when you think of it. That's a violation of, to everyone. That's how about poor people? That if you don't have a business, you don't show receipts that I deposit ten thousand a month in the bank. I'm just using that as an arbitrary mm -hmm. a number. That's the criteria. And I just like to say one other thing while I'm ranting because I love to rant <laughs> is uh, I hear from cops that live in New York City and and that depend on uh, you know the New York City to get their gun permit. They're like give them a really hard time. Like three or four months go by, they have no permit. That's not acceptable. 
I live in Westchester and they take care of it right away. I'm sure Nassau County does, I'm sure Suffolk County does. New York City screws these guys. It's ridiculous. It really is. I know you don't want to comment on it. I'm ranting. <laughs> it's all right. Pistol license section. Remember Al Goldstein used to say, pistol license section, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for all our fans that don't like that language, but I, I had well, to shout out to Al Goldstein. You know? <laughs> that whole thing with the rabbis getting their permits and stuff like that, that didn't help at all. That was just that just played right into uh, what, the, what they was trying to do anyway with the city, which was reel in these permits. And then they showed you some, um, you know, some corruption. And uh, I lost a friend because of it. Uh, Rachel Pranzo, thank you so much for your $5 super sticker. Oh, you mentioned Galaxy. Did I miss anybody? Oh, Ryan, yes. in the group. thank you for Bill, your. Bill Ryan, yes. Yeah, man. Uh, it's, yeah, it's tough, man. They make it very, very tough here. And yet we have shootings. <laughs> The shootings that are going up here and the summer hasn't even started. And that's why I'm telling you, come time to run for mayor, they're all going to be on the same thing. Uh, I can I can I can fight this crime. We can bring it back down. We can grab control of it. They're all going to change a different tune because this summer is going to be hot, man. Can you can you see the guy underneath um, Scott Stringer? On, on this picture, you're seeing all the nine people that are running for uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. nomination. Yeah. That guy, I don't even know his name. No one will know his name because he's that not unimportant. He <laughs> he wants to take three billion of the police department's budget and give it to social service programs. All the way on the left, she's another one. The one under the one, the uh, uh, one's Maya, Maya Wiley, I think. She's another social service person. The one under her, they should all just take a walk because they don't have any chance whatsoever because they don't care about public safety. Period, and well, their their ideas are just ridiculous. Well, know? that that's that's exactly the point. I mean, if you want to win, because are you in the race to to try to be re actually become mayor, or are you trying to uh, make a point? Because at this, you know, for the residents that live here in New York City, they're not they're not going to want to see this crime anymore. We just had a shooting in Times Square. Uh, you can't have that. That's the crossroads of the world right there. We depend on tourism. Then whoever's coming in, that has to be their platform, that that could never happen again, that we're going we're gonna to get these guns off the street. And once you talk about getting guns off the street, you talk about cops that are going to be in plain clothes. We, we're going right back to where we were, trying to uh, wrap our arms around this crime and, and contain it. So there's nobody's going to win unless they're, they're – if, if you live in New York City, I still do. Why would you vote for anybody with these stupid ideas? Because they have a radical leftist base that they think that is going to no, vote for them. Ten percent of the people voted, and the Ola the Blasio mayor twice. Well, so, I know but nobody was voting at that time either. It always comes a time like this, like when Dinkins was mayor, and then he was running for re-election, and the city was, you know, right the way it is going to be. Well, it's still not the way it was when Dinkins, but it could be. Um, that's when Giuliani came in, and that's when everybody came out to vote. Nobody was voting for uh, this guy. Nobody even gave a shit who was mayor. It didn't really matter. We, I mean, we didn't think it mattered because we had so many good years. We had two year, uh, eight years of Giuliani, 12 years of um, Bloomberg. So, and Ray uh, Kelly was the commissioner. For what, what could they do? How could they, how could they fuck it up? <laughs> how could they fuck it up? <laughs> 
<laughs> Look at what they did, man. Look what they did. Imagine being these guys. Imagine being Bloomberg right now. Uh, yeah, well, but you know something? Bloomberg was a good mayor fiscally, and he was supportive of the NYPD. But the blunder he did at the end of his term, we're still feeling the reverberations from, and that's the overutilization of stop, question, and frisk. And you see I said stop, question, and frisk because the press and the politicians, it's not called stop and frisk. You don't own it. The police department owns it. And the legal bureau wrote it up, and it's called stop, question, and frisk. So and whenever I hear someone say stop and frisk, I know they're anti-police. Yeah, and if you want to be and if you want to be hyper technical, you can say stop question and maybe frisk. Right. And possibly frisk. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, if I gave if you said, Bill, give me a buck. And I said, hey, here's 66 cents. You'd say, where's the other where's the other 34 cents? Oh, it's stop and frisk. <laughs> we threw it out. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't yeah, do that with yeah. money. Uh, former guest Marianne McGinnis, thank you for the four ninety nine super chat. Well, Duty Ron said this is a family show, so watch the cursing, and I think he's he's absolutely right. We got to be careful with that. Princess Mitch, thank you so much for the nine ninety nine super chat. I swear I'll never curse again. People giving us money like that, thank you so much. I think it's time for us to go to a uh, a commercial mark. So go do your stuff. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, Silk City Hot Sauce is one of our sponsors. Um, they have uh, great, great, they make a great hot sauce. It's made with all uh, locally grown peppers. There's a lot of different flavors from uh, mild to wild. Uh, I use it all the time now on my, on my food. Um, it's, it's all uh, the just the best ingredients. It's the best hot sauce that I've ever had. If you go to SilkCityHotSauce.com and you put in... Um, OTC for off the cuff, you'll get a 15% discount. Trust me when I tell you, uh, I wouldn't steer you wrong. Folks, if you've had it with New York City, all the crime and all this craziness, and you want to move down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Carol Waters, a realtor, uh, she sells for Carol Waters, sells Myrtle Beach at gmail.com. She's part of the Beach Realty Group. She was a 20 year bartender at Fitzpatrick's uh, Hotel in Manhattan. And her husband, Rob Mayen, was an NYPD rollover to the fire department. They're both down there selling real estate. They're two of the best. They're big supporters of police off the cuff. Please give them your support. And talk about a big supporter of police off the cuff. And that's Joe Murray, uh, attorney extraordinaire. And he's a big, big supporter. He's a former member of the service police officer. He's got a website, joe at murray-law.com. And I hear he's got a mean left hook. And I don't want to tell you who he hit it with, but he was he was on a PBA boxing team for years. And that's Joe Murray, a big supporter of, uh, of police off the cuff. And lastly, tomorrow night, it's finally here. Police off the cuff night at Bordeaux on uh, 350 West 46th Street at 7 p.m. Make a reservation. I hear that he's, uh, Joe Lisi's getting lots of reservations, so you should probably call up. Joe Lisi's a retired captain probably the most successful actor in the history of the NYPD. And he's a, he's a fine restaurateur too. But uh, Joe Lisi, and we'll be there. We'll be shaking hands, kissing babies. As long as the babies are between the ages of 25 and 35, we'll be kissing them. And we'll be talking to you guys, taking pictures with you. It's going to be a fun night. Hey, uh, Peter Pranzo says, might wind up with uh, Adams. At least he knows the truth. Whether he flips or not, who knows? 
Yeah, well, that looks like who is probably going to be the nominee at this point. Ah, uh, yeah, well, right now, but things change, man. You know, no, it's a, the, the nomination is in about five well, weeks. No, 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 okay, well, I'm talking about the nomination, but that's the Democratic nomination. Yeah, no, no, Republicans not beating the Democrat. No, no, if it's Curtis Slewa, well, we don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't have a lot of faith. Even in Mateo, that. I'm telling you. You know how many Dominicans are in Washington Heights who vote for him? <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna get delivery cab drivers in in mass, right? That guy never met a camera he didn't like either, Fernando he's Mateo. Good hey, listen, if there's eight million people, uh, six million live in Washington Heights. <laughs> you know, Rob, we want to tell another thing. Since you are an attorney, we should ask you some um, legal things uh, regarding the department. Where are we at as far as the department suing? the city council in regards to the diaphragm law? It, um, I haven't heard any talk about it. I, I, it wouldn't be the department's place to bring that suit. Theoretically, it would be the union's place. Um, and didn't they? Um, no, I, I know, yeah. I, I think the PBA and the SBA, they got lawsuits. Right. They're going to challenge it. But I thought that this could come, even the department, being that it's such an outlandish ruling by people that know nothing about policing. And then I heard that even the coward de Blasio didn't even have to sign it. He just let it linger for like five or six weeks and then it automatically became law. So his greasy fingers aren't on it. I didn't pay attention to the process itself. Um, you know, we did deal with, you know, analyzing it and analyzing all the other new laws. We've been really busy analyzing changes in the law and in the criminal justice system um, over the last year or two. So uh, we've had our hands full with it. And then the other one is the big one is qualified immunity. Would you like to speak on that? Sure. So there's been a lot of a lot of confusion over over New York City's qualified immunity bill, and we've put out a few things. The unions have put out a few things, but I guess um, why don't we start with what is qualified immunity? A lot of people don't really know. Um, qualified immunity is an affirmative defense um, that can aid cops in lawsuits involving civil rights violations in federal. Qualified immunity was never a defense before in state court. It's a federal court affirmative defense. It shields cops from liability for their actions if they didn't violate clearly established or it was objective, objectively reasonable for the cop to believe that he didn't violate the law at the time of his action. So um, that's always been a defense, and it still is. The New York City Council does not have the power to take away qualified immunity as it exists as a federal uh, affirmative defense. What they did was they created a new city law, a local law, that allows people to sue us in state court for unreasonable search and seizure or excessive force. But keep in mind, you already could sue us for those things in both federal and state court anyway. So they created new rights of action for those things. And then said, oh, and you can't use qualified immunity as a defense. But you couldn't use qualified immunity as a defense in state court to begin with. So I'm not suggesting it's good. I'm just suggesting that some of the headlines are a little bit over the top. And I get it. Um, but again, it's not good. But it's not necessarily the end of the world either. Because here's the thing that our cops have to remember. And that is that under 50K of the general municipal law, they will be represented and indemnified, provided they were, uh, you know, acting within the scope of their employment, didn't violate any major rules or policies or laws. So, so why don't we why don't we take an example? You're a cop. You make an arrest. 
and you are sued for excessive force and false arrest. Um, there was no investigation. You weren't found to have violated any internal rules uh, or anything like that. So you get sued. Now you fill out a request for legal assistance. You send it into the legal bureau. It goes over to court counsel. They do a check. You haven't violated any rules. So they're now representing you, right? They're, they're going to be your attorneys. And um, as it goes through discovery, this case a little bit, um, everything looks good for you. You did everything you were supposed to do. And maybe they file a motion, uh, you know, to dismiss uh, or for summary judgment at some point based on qualified immunity. And um, let's say you even lose that. You are not granted qualified immunity. So it goes to trial or it's settled. You are still covered. You are being represented and indemnified because as long as you were acting within the scope of your employment and didn't violate any rules, you're covered. So the qualified immunity, it's a nice defense. It doesn't work that often in the Second Circuit anyway. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, it works sometimes, um, but we're such a litigious place, New York, and we have so many cops and we make so many arrests that there aren't that many unique circumstances. So I, I'll give you an example mm -hmm. of a case where there were unique circumstances and we want a qualified immunity uh, on qualified immunity as a defense. Cops put some cuffs on, on, on an individual and um, the cuffs were maybe too tight. But the person, the prisoner didn't say anything. Prisoner didn't say, hey, my hands hurt. Hey, these cuffs are too tight. The prisoner simply moved around in the back of the RMP a little bit and maybe kind of grunted but didn't say a word. The question became, was that enough moving around, maybe looking uncomfortable and, and making a noise? Was that enough to put the cops on notice that the cuffs were too tight? And of course, no such case had ever been decided. So there was no clearly established law that said, yes, that's excessive force in the sense that the handcuffs are too tight and the cops should have known or whatever. So we won in a qualified immunity defense there. But even if we didn't, provided those cops hadn't violated any other major rules, right? They would have been indemnified and they would not have been personally liable. So they would not have had to pay any money of their own uh, and things like that. So, yeah, but, um, but you know, there's been other jurisdictions where we've seen the cops put through hell. For example, Baltimore, was it the Freddie Gray case where he was in the back and they, they, they locked all those cops up and they all beat it. I mean, yeah, so- well, well, don't forget, Qualified immunity is is a defense in federal court for civil rights violations, which is civil lawsuits. So criminal cases and cops being locked up is a whole other world. Right. Uh, well, even you look at you look at uh, the brown uh, brown the case in uh, they they wanted the feds went there to lock that cop up, and when they every investigation they did, they found he was he was right, and the physical evidence said he was right. But they went there with double. They sent the United States Attorney General there to get him. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you if you monitor it, they're putting out in the news right very quietly here and there that cops are being reinstated. Right? Did you see the? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was the one in in Wendy's. Um, yes, yes. In the Wendy's parking lot. That cop yep. was reinstated now. Yeah. So, so these political quick to judgment, you know, firings and things like that. You know, maybe it's politically expedient for those particular politicians, but it doesn't hold when tested. So I, I think there's two, that one and something else where the cops got reinstated quietly uh, recently and there, would, there wasn't much news media on it. Right. 
Well, even the, uh, the you know, the, the no-knock warrants now, from what I understand, and you can correct me, I, I understand we, we may be losing those. Yeah, I think they want to. I, I don't remember reading the bill, but I remember it being talked about um, that they wanted to severely restrict the use of no-knock warrants, like that we might have special burdens to um, get to to be able to get one or something like that, but I didn't read it. Well, I mean, if you're talking about legalization of drugs, <laughs> You know, at some point, you're not even going to need a no-knock warrant, you know, because most of them are for, you know, drug houses, drug stuff. You're going to be. Yeah, but you're going to need it for the, the protection of the cops. That's the whole point of it. Because no, with, with, drug, with drugs come guns. The way we're, go the way we're going right now with legalizing the drugs, at some point, you're not even going to need a no-knock warrant. They've just legalized marijuana in New York State. Oregon is free. You can do whatever you that, What would you need a no-knock warrant for if, if all drugs are legal? For guns, that's why for guns. The no-knock warrant is to protect cops, not to protect the the bad guy. It's to you know, look. What if there's ten pit bulls in there? You want to? You want to? I guess maybe then you do want to knock to find out if they're there. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying it's stupid. You know, you're you're getting rid of a tool. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to legalize drugs, then there's no. You're not going to be able to do these no-knock warrants. You're never going to get the guns. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not going to be allowed to surprise them. We're going to do say, "Hey, what's up? How are you? Do you guys mind if we come in and look around a little bit?" Well, that you know, look, it it does get that ridiculous in Chicago. They want the cops to ask permission to chase somebody. I mean, how ridiculous is that? That's that's got to be, you know, in in the in the stupidity meter, that's got to be like ninety nine point five. You know. <laughs> I know a lot of fat cops that would love that option. <laughs> but ask them. No, call up. Ask them if I have, if I have to chase them. I'm all the way here. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's like whenever you would get a homicide and it didn't have the building didn't have an elevator, you knew it was always on the 12th floor. You had to yeah. climb. You had to climb 12 flights of stairs. Oh, where's the case? That's on the 12th floor. So yeah, yeah. six stories. No elevator. No. That's what we used to do when we were in warrants and the boss wanted to come out with us. You know, every once in a while, the boss would be like, hey, I'm going to come out with you guys tomorrow so that we dig up all our, uh, you know, uh, walk-ups, six, eight-story walk-ups in, in Manhattan. We've, I had a warrant there. So this way, we get him in the van. We go up two two apartments where we got to walk up to the sixth floor. By the third one, he's like, hey, you know what? I'm good. Drop me off at the base. Yeah, I think I'll stay in the office for now on. That's, that's true, you know. <laughs> We well, what are, what are uh, some of the big legal issues now facing the department other than what we just spoke about, you know, the diaphragm law? Oh, the other thing I, I wanted to mention, how about the, which also got released with it seemingly no pushback or no fight? And I'm sure the unions probably did fight it, but publicizing the office's um, disciplinary record, both online and people can indirectly, they can find out where a cop lives even, you know, I mean... Is there pushback towards that? There was. When when they were talking about repealing um, that section of the law, the department opposed it, department objected, but um, to no avail. Um, you know, the, the state seems set um, and the city seems set in their desires to, to sort of just be, you know, everything against the police or uh, whatever. So... You know, it passed anyway. They they repealed the law that protected us in that regard, and now, you know, I suspect there'll be some litigation about what we are and aren't releasing, because um, not everything's out there. Um, so we'll see which way it goes. 
I mean, it's so crazy because how would you do that to a judge? Would you would you do that to an ADA? Would you do that to the city council? Would you do that to politicians? Let's have all of their disciplinary records. Look, online doctors and dentists, it could destroy their practice because you could get, you know, they could be a great dentist or a great doctor and you can get one patient who is just looking to uh, cause problems. And, and, you know, that's, but it's all right to do to cops. Yeah, it's unfortunate for sure. We're, we've always been one of the most singled out professions, right? Um, by percentage, um, you know, in New York alone, what do we do? Have 6 million interactions, the NYPD with people every year. Um, I'm sh probably more than that, right? And the percentage of things going wrong is minuscule in comparison to the number of interactions we have with people in the city. But um, that's the flavor, so. Yeah, it's, it's sort of scary because all the tools that you need to uh, to do your job are being taken away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it that's seems right. like they're, they're loading they're loading it on uh, to the advantage of, of the perpetrator and the cop has to be a thousand percent correct or they're looking to uh, hang the cop. Yeah. Know? Yeah. The, the other major things are the, you know, the bail reform, the discovery reform and the DAT reform, right? Those are the big things that are seem to be hurting us lately. Yeah. That bail reform, man. I, I read a story the other day about some guy who got out three, three, well, he got out three times in one day in one day and committed four different crimes. So he got caught four times. But the fourth time he got caught, he was already in the next day. But it's it's just so stupid. I mean, if somebody's hell-bent on uh, or they're in that state of mind where, you know, they're just doing crazy things. Some people are, are mentally ill. You know, taking a break, getting them off the street for a little while, cooling them off. That's what it used to be called, putting them on ice. You know, let them chill. You know, get this anger out of you for a minute, you know. A lot of that, yeah. it, not only does it it help them, but it also helps the neighborhood. When you get that person that comes, he's walking down the street every day, no shirt on in the middle of the summer, screaming crazy shit, you know, you're, everybody's intimidated by that guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If he gets off the street for two, three days at a time every month, everybody gets a chance to relax. <laughs> they get to breathe a little easier. Now you put four or five of these people in the same neighborhood. Look at that guy in Times Square that did the shooting. Uh, that guy's in there every single night in Times Square. They're probably selling the handbags, the knockoffs. Mm -hmm. Walking around with a gun. He's talking to cops all night, bullshitting with him, and he's got a fucking gun on him. The only reason we, why we found out was because he tried to kill his brother. <laughs> so that just goes to show you what kind of mental state they're in. You know, it's it's uh, it's crazy, man. Well, yeah. the other thing about that, you know, we could have he could have been taken off the street back in the day through quality of life enforcement. Yeah, since we're not doing that anymore, you know, he's going to be out there plying his trade, which is, you know, a low level uh, violation. But we used to uh, enforce that. Yeah, now they're not, you know. And because we enforce it, because we used to enforce it, they knew not to carry guns. Right. That's yeah. Why right. Keep shootings down so for so long. You know, Fine. Rob, I told you I tried to find out. I called DCPI and I actually called Transit District 1. I wanted to find out if the guys who did the robberies and the slashing on the subway, if they paid their fare. And no one seemed to know the answer to that. All they knew was that they got on the, the subway at um, 51st and Lexington 
and but they couldn't tell me if they used their uh, metro card or if they jumped the turnstile. No one seemed to know that because I was interested in that because I'm you know an old broken windows policing type guy that mm -hmm. you know if they didn't take that away from us maybe these guys would have been collared for jumping the turnstile because right. most bad guys as you know they're not going to pay their fare. You know, right. They got a gun makes, on them. You know they're not going to pay their fare. That makes so much sense. What you're saying makes so much sense right now. If if no criminal is going to wind up paying, he's not going to pay to get into the train station to go rob people. So you might head him off at the pass if you just did your freaking job. Yeah. Or and, were allowed to do your job. In fact, here's this is the one of them who uh, and you folks out there see this guy. He's still at large. This guy and he was one of the. Uh, I think you know there could have been any. They could they arrested three or maybe four, and he's the fifth. But you know how, how in robberies perps mix and match. Like the press doesn't understand that they want to you know oh how many were there you don't know how many were there well well dude they sometimes three would work and do a guy and then two would stand by and then the other two would take their chance because we're hearing now that it was also like a gang initiation slashing robbery that you know they want to have fun so let's slash and rob you know yeah the subways are bad man and that kid's probably got a haircut right now by the way if you're out there and you're still on the job i'm telling yeah. you you see that guy they caught in florida yeah, he, was yeah. having, uh, he was having a dinner at mcdonald's sitting on the curb with his with this girl they rolled up on him and the guy had dreadlocks in new york city god bless these guys man these investigators these detectives that are that caught that guy um you know the guy's sitting there he got a shaved head now and it's the guy it's a well this is yeah this is the guy well he probably shaved his head now but i was talking yeah. about the guy in florida hey look he's uh, he's wearing a mask he's 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 following the rules of that but he's but he's it's, isn't that funny he's following the rules wearing a mask but he's doing robberies with the mask on you know well yeah it's just it's like the guy with he's he's on the motorcycle no helmet but he's got a mask on yeah. you know what i'm saying like <laughs> it, it, it's unbelievable that you know these things and you know look People are coming back into the city. Uh, we, we were called by a restaurateur last week after the Times Square shooting. A restaurant in the theater district had 60 reservation cancellations after that shooting. That's a real deal. So all these people that want to give the money to social service programs, no. Keep the people safe in the city that pay the bills. That's tourism. That's people that come from outside the city to spend their money in the theater district, in the restaurants. That's Wall Street. That's major businesses. Keep the, If you don't keep those people safe, they're going to leave New York City. So stop talking about defunding the NYPD. Could you, first of all, you're not going to get elected to dog catcher if that's your policy. So you know, keep having that policy because I'd like to see you be the dog catcher and never the mayor. You know. <laughs> well, if you're running for mayor, I got advice for you. Um, start practicing on your um, how you're going to hire police speech. How are you going to cut down on crime speech? How are you going to control the shootings speech? Those are the speeches you should work on because those are the uh, that's what's happening. That's what's going to happen to New York City residents when they go vote. They're going to be concerned about one thing. All they're going to be focused on is crime, especially if you own any property here, if you own a business here, if you want to stay here. You're going to vote for the person that's going to guarantee you they're going to be hard on crime again. So you better start practicing your speeches. They all will, because <laughs> if, if, they're all full of shit. 
You know, well, Mark, in, I don't know exactly when the Democratic nomination vote is. It's pretty soon. It's like five or six weeks. So you know, you won't even see most of them. They'll be gone. They'll be they'll fade into the woodwork. They'll go uh -huh. back to their uh, they'll go back to their communist meetings on Friday nights, and you know, uh, and 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 buy a Mao hat or something. You know, because well, they don't have a chance. They have no chance. I'm going to tell you something right now. When it does happen, when we do get a new mayor, whether it be a, a Democrat, if it's Eric Adams or one of the Republican people, they're going to have to, they're going to try their best to stay true to what their, what their pledge was. And right now your platform is getting tough on crime again because the city's gotten out of hand. That's, well, that's the only thing that a New York City resident is concerned about right now. Right. But it's so disingenuous when you hear people that two weeks ago were talking about defunding them. All of a sudden we get a crime spike and they're like, Oh no, I didn't mean that. Let's know. So you know. They're so stupid. They don't even, you know, they don't even know what they're saying right now. <laughs> like, Oh, why don't we just try getting rid of the police? Yeah. And that's why I don't mind. Listen, if you want to be in Oregon and you want to let people do all the drugs they want, I, I I'm fine with it, man. Give them the drugs. Give them the drugs. This way we could send all our drug addicts over there. You get convicted <laughs> of a crime over here. You could go to prison or we could send you to Oregon. One-way ticket. Dr. Stephen Washwell, thank you so much for the 1999 Super Sticker. Angela Ang, thank you. Well, hopefully we'll see you guys tomorrow night at Bordeaux. Tomorrow night it's on. We, we understand it's going to be like a rock and, you know, he's getting uh, lots of reservations. So it's going to be like a, a police reunion, you know. I may even wear my rack. I'll, I, I might pull it out just to, <laughs> just to wear it to the restaurant one more time to wear my rack, you know. Hey, you're gonna wear it. What are you wearing tomorrow? I speaking of that. Uh probably a suit jacket. You're gonna wear a khakis suit? or something. No, I'm not wearing a suit, a suit jacket. I didn't yeah. say a suit. I was in the squad for you know 16 years. Oh, that's all I wore. Wear that hat that you used to wear when you were a sergeant. Uh, it's too know. hot out to wear that hat though, you know. Bring that fisherman's hat, hat that uh the Popeye Doyle hat. Bring that. <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow night, Rob? You gonna come by? I'm gonna try, yeah. I'm working till 6 30, so maybe I can come by after. Yeah, man, that would be great to have you. That would be excellent. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. It's going to be Absolutely. fun. Looking forward to it. We're going to have, a, you know, something. We're getting some amazing uh, people coming on our show, You, you, including you. I mean, people are actually reaching out to us saying, oh, can I come on your show? We're like, hey, get in line, buddy. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're having fun with it. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of fun to this, but there's also a lot. Hopefully, we're helping support the police that are on the department now and have them realize that not everyone hates them. You know, Absolutely. We, we, we love the NYPD and uh, we feel for them when bad things happen and make their job that much harder, you know? Yeah. That's why I thought it was important to, to mention earlier, like the dentist who came out, you know, and, 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 and like Mark was right to say, it's good. You didn't mention his name, but yeah, I don't want to ruin his practice, you know, no, no, <laughs> there's good people out there and they reach out, you know, when they can and, you know, what's funny is I do my cop material and uh, you'd be surprised, you know, <laughs> it's almost like unanimous. It's a positive, you know, I'm taking a chance when I start talking about it during, in the show, you know, and uh, believe it or not, it's, it's rare that I ever, I get, I get a uh, heckle, let's say, or, or people don't, you know, they don't want to hear anything of it. You know, a lot of it's in my own head worrying about it, but uh, people are supportive. So yeah. it's only a small group of people that are screaming really, really, really loud right now. And their voice is about to get drowned out because we, we're in the middle of seeing what happens when they get their way. And it's not a good quality of life. 
Yeah. Uh, nobody wants to live like this, where there's shootings constantly going on in places where the people that are, you know, terrorizing your neighborhood are, are fearless right now. So it's time, to, you know, we got to take it back. We got to take the city yep. back. Um, this experiment didn't work. We took a chance with it. Uh, I, I, that's what that's that's what I feel, man. I'm an optimist, like I said. Yeah, and while we're talking about support, if you don't mind, yeah, go ahead, like Bob, to mention sorry. mention one thing just before we run out of time, and that is, um, you know, one of the other things I'm involved with that I'd like to put out there is, is Brotherhood for the Fallen. Um, to make a long story short, um, a great group of Chicago cops started it in 2010, and in 2015, let me back up, in 2013, um, beginning of 14, we met them at the Ramos and Lou funerals. And uh, cause they came out, you know, to New York for the funerals and they kind of pitched the idea to us. And we became the second Brotherhood for the Fallen chapter. We now have nine chapters. Uh, we're, we're all legit 501c3 charities. So we have um, Chicago PD, us, NYPD. We have Suffolk County, New York, Aurora, Colorado, Dallas PD, Fort Worth PD, Boston, and we now have Arkansas and um, South Carolina. So it's a pretty simple premise. It's just like any of the other uh, fraternal organizations like the Emerald Society or whatever. Cops join, active cops join. Uh, the dues are a little higher than your ordinary um, organizations because what we do is, our mission is we make sure that we send members and active NYPD members or, you know, for the other chapters, active Chicago cops to every combat line of duty death funeral in the United States. So we cover the airfare, the hotel, rental. We send these cops to the funeral. They wear the dress uniform. And while they're there, typically at the wake or, or at a private, you know, portion before the funeral, they give a card from us to the family with a check in it. So each chapter gives a check. Um, if you put all the chapters together, I'm sure we're past 10,000 per funeral uh, easy to each of these families. So, um, like I said, we're all 501c3s. We rely on our on our cop members. Uh, we have civilian members too, um, but we can't, you know, like like retired guys always ask. But we we we, you know, for our chapter for NYPD, we're only sending active guys because we try to follow the department's rules on the uniform and all that stuff. But anyway. Um, we get donations, we sell shirts and coins and stuff like that. So it's a great cause. And I would say since our beginning in mid 2015, we've probably given 300 grand to these families by now. And any other time we can do something, we find out if we find out the family of a slain officer is coming to New York and they're looking for something to do, we'll pick them up, show them around, we'll take them to dinner, we'll get them whatever we can, you know. Um, so it, it's a really worthy cause um, and anyone who's interested, um, can learn more at brotherhoodnyc.org. That's our website. Um, and we have three or four cops in Texas right now for the two Concho County um, uh, sheriff's deputies that were killed in Texas. And we have another group going out tomorrow to San Luis Obispo, California. Um, and it's it's a tough business. And you, you know, I'll tell you there's something for our active cops now, um, I'll tell you one thing that that disappoints me is there's 36,000 members of the NYPD, and yet at Brotherhood we only have four or five hundred members usually, which is a, a minuscule percentage of our active cops. And guys have second jobs, they have kids, they can't travel. But two things, you know, if you can join, please join for our active cops because even if you can't travel now, the money helps. Right now, our chapter gives 1,250 bucks per funeral. But could you imagine if half 
of our cops joined, we could be at, you know, $7,000 per check, just my chapter. Uh, but we need the members. So, um, you know, it's something that, 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 you know, I hope will grow long after I'm gone. Um, and, and I'll tell you, because we all know the sad truth of when an NYPD cop is killed. You know, we're a big city and the job takes care of its own. But we've gone to funerals with like 10 person police departments where the cops are only making $18 an hour in the first place. And their benefits are not the same. And those families really need help. So we're, we're happy to get out there and help and we're proud to help. And the last thing I'll say about it is for our active cops, with all that we deal with up here in New York and in the major cities across the country, we, um, you know, people with cell phones in your face and spitting at you and stuff like that. When you put on your dress uniform and go to a funeral, you know, in a rural area, in the middle of nowhere or something like that, those people are so appreciative that you showed up. It really can make you a day, month, year. It's an amazing feeling um, to go out and support. Just your presence at these funerals in faraway places really helps, really helps the colleagues, the family. Um, they lose it when they see us. So um, I, you know, implore our cops to, to check it out and give it a try. And I appreciate you guys letting me get that out there. Rob, you know something? Thank you for all you do. And I mean, that's the real heroes of this country that do what you just described. And if we can help out in any little way, we, we, you know, you can come on our show again if you want. But I appreciate uh, it. besides us, of course, enjoying doing this show and get, and hopefully supporting the NYPD and police departments all over the world, we have fun doing this. We hope that we have some laughs and uh, we hope to, you know, have cops listen and just say, oh, those guys are funny. I enjoy that show. And yeah. I hope we're, I hope we're doing that. Anyway, Mark, we're at, we're at an hour and one minute, so I think we should say our goodbyes. Well, for, uh, for those who are coming tomorrow night, uh, goodbye. And for those who are coming tomorrow night, uh, we look forward to hanging out with you and having some more fun. Uh, look, Duty Ron just dropped 100 bucks on us. Oh, my God. Duty Ron's buying drinks tomorrow night. <laughs> he already <laughs> did. He already did buy his drinks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. You're a saint. God bless you. Um, thank you, Rob. Actually, 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 Mark, that $100 is for the Brotherhood of the Fallen. Oh, so okay. Rob, good. Rob, if you could email me your uh, – Sure. Memo, thank you. I'll, I'll send it to you, okay? Absolutely. Yeah. So, but uh, Ron, thank you so much. Uh, it's very well appreciated. Thank on you. Behalf of Rob. Yes, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. I love the it show. Great. I hope we didn't put you on the spot too much. If you guys, <laughs> if you guys uh, ever get retirees to go out there, uh, you know, let me know. Absolutely. If you guys, if you including dinner, you know, is dinner included? <laughs> <laughs> this is the only thing we we cover the gas, the cars, everything else. But yeah. usually, you're on your own for food, but. You know how that goes when you when you're with cops from all around. Someone will pick up something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's we'll right. find the place. Cops will always <laughs> find the place. All right. So thank you so much for joining us, uh, Bill. Close it out, man. Police off the cuff fans. Thank you so much for your support. We got some big things coming up. Uh, we're gonna have a website put up. We're trying to really increase our uh, our footprint on YouTube because that's where uh, the big audience is. We get a lot. We have thousands of views on Facebook and, and Anchor and all that stuff, but we want to increase our footprint on YouTube. So if you're not subscribed on YouTube, please subscribe, hit the bell, and uh, view us on YouTube. Anyway, hopefully I'm going to see all you guys tomorrow night at um, Bordeaux. I'm really looking forward to it.
from Mark DeMeo and Bill Cannon and Police Off the Cuff, Lieutenant Rob Corbett. Good night, guys. Thank you so much. Good night, everybody.